welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I'm your host for this podcast, Christopher Robbins, the co-founder of Familiars Publishing, husband, father of nine, author, fly fisherman, backpacker, and aspirational musician based in the Central Valley of beautiful California. We hope to bring you nourishing, real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. We're happy to introduce today's guest, Noah Benchia. Now, Noah is one of North America's most respected and beloved poet philosophers. He is the Pulitzer Prize-nominated and internationally best-selling author of 29 books translated into 18 languages and embraced around the world. We've had Noah on before, and today we're discussing the duality of despair and hope from his most recent book, The Surfer and the Sage, How to Survive and Ride Life's Waves, that he co-wrote with world champion surfer Sean Thompson. Noah has been generous to agree to a series of podcasts throughout 2023 we invite you to reflect and learn how to survive and ride life's ways with this best-selling philosopher and poet. The information shared today aligns with the Familius 10 Habits of Happy Families. You can learn more about the Familius 10 Habits of Happy Families by going to the Habit Hub blog on Familius.com. Noah, again, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us. You're very welcome. It's as much as I understand, the two great days in your life are the day you're born and the day you know why you were born, uh, I, clearly I'm here to be an ally to others. So I'm glad to be here, Christopher. Well, we're grateful. So I've been reading for the Sage, of course, and I, I'm, I was reading this section of Despair and Hope. And I'd like us to open with that, if you could. Could you read the short essay that you've provided to help us think about despair and hope as we begin this podcast? Absolutely. Hope and despair. Let's say that life is a great party to which you have been invited. Now you have to decide what you want to wear to the party. The first thing to remember is that you get to choose not only from your clothing wardrobe, but also from your emotional wardrobe. You must decide what feelings you are going to pull from your closet and wear to life's party. The choice of what you're going to wear in the moments you are given is a gift. Let's talk about how you open that gift. Scripture says, this is the day the Lord gave me, and I will rejoice in it. And while that's a powerful source of information, it still comes down to how you frame your day. Despair and hope are options that each have in each of their moments. Being filled with despair is not necessarily a flaw. There is a time, there is a time, there is sadly a time for despair in life. Sorrow has its place. Just don't put it in the driver's seat and forget who's driving. Those in the military remind us that hope is not a plan, and they're right. But from hope, a move to the positive can be planned. Absent of hope, you are ready to feed it in life. Bottom line, dare to hope, plan to work. Again, think about what you're going to pull from your emotional closet. Despair is not designer clothing, nor is it meant to be worn every day. Hope, however, hope, however, is a superhero cloak that on the tough days and even on the easy days can shield you from despair. Hope and despair are both equal opportunity clothing options in every closet. Thank you for reading that. Isn't it interesting that in this duality that we are exploring, 
that we have a choice. We actually have a choice of what we're going to choose to wear every day, don't we? We we do. And, And I think one of the things that's important to remember is that there is a time to wear despair, and it is not a flaw. There are times in life where to be in a state of despair is a healthy emotional response to what is happening in your life. It's not a flaw. It's not a vulnerability, except as vulnerability is what connects us to each other. And hope, I know there are people, for many years, I was asked to be a national philosopher uh, dealing with people in the field of addiction. And one of the things I would remind people, to some people, uh, dope is is the only hope. But I think that on reverse of that is that hope is the best dope. I don't know anything that has a better chance of getting you high in this brief life than hope. So if I was going to be very 1960s to somebody, if you're wondering what to roll and smoke at the end of the day, roll hope and take and tape a deep breath and pull hope into your lungs. So I was thinking about hope versus faith the other day, and, and somebody, I think, framed it for me. And they framed it in a religious sense, and, and I'm going to frame it in a secular sense, and our audience can choose how they want to frame it themselves. but. This person said to me that that faith is believing that someone or God will help you. And hope is believing that someone will help you. So it's someone can help you, someone will help you. I thought that was interesting. You know, I'm always amazed at how many ways there are to look at a beautiful painting and come away with uh, your, the, the beauty in your own eyes on the perception. My own perception on this question of of hope and faith is this, is that from hope, you can leap to faith, that hope is the springboard to faith, because hope is you out here to faith is an internal experience. You're not standing outside and saying, I have faith like you're observing it. Faith requires you do not have faith. But my take on it is to be faith, to be in faith. So as someone, the sages have said is that faith is seeing things unseen. Hope is hoping to see things unseen. Faith is seeing things unseen. And we're going to talk more about faith in when we get to chapter three. Let's, uh, let's like, let, me say, let me say, I'm sorry, here, Christopher, may I just share something? Of course. Because before we came on the, on the air, I asked you to, to, when we talk about hope and faith, hope and despair, let's talk about it not as if you and I are people for whom this is an absent reality in our lives, but to deal with it as a very personal issue in our lives, to be all the more having a currency of honesty with our listeners or viewers. So for me, there has been no more profoundly despairing time in my life, and perhaps for those listening or observing, than when you wake up in the middle of the night and know that your child is going through something which you can't solve. It's not the despair of not making more money. It's not the despair of uh, fleeing this, these mortal bounds. We all know that's, that's in the cards. But to, have, to be in a state of despair when one of your children is experiencing something which you can't solve, that is a deep, deep, deep despair. And if I had anything to hope for, it would be not to know that despair, and for anybody who's listening or watching, for you, for you, my friends, not to know that despair. That is my hope. That is my hope. Well, let me make it real. And, and you talk me through 
and maybe our there's lots of different types of of challenges that we go through in our lives. And I'll give you mine. I'll give you one example, and, and perhaps this framework that you'll share with us, or how you'll talk with me, might help those who are listening in whatever challenge they have. Because there's despair as associated with illness, despair with death, despair with financial ruin, despair with family problems. There's, there's just so many things, and we want to move towards hope. So, a number of years ago, not too many. One of my sons who suffers from mental illness, I received a phone call and it was a message. And I was on a, on a double date with my wife and a couple. And this message was a goodbye message for my son, where he was telling me how strong I was and how he wished he could be more like me and that he was sorry and that he was going to take his life. And he then attempted suicide. We were able to get to, he was in a different state and I was able to call a 911 communicate and it took very it was very difficult to get him found but fortunately we were able to find him and the medical personnel were able to get him to the hospital and he was in an induced coma for about about 4 days and he he survived and i remember the doctor saying to my wife who flew out to be with him that when he woke up he was happy to be alive and they said this is a good sign that he's happy to be alive and uh, I can tell you that to have a child who you've raised, you, you put so much hope into a child. You work so hard to raise them and help them be able to navigate a, an ever-challenging world in so many ways. And then to have them lose all hope and choose to find their answer in taking their own life, that's very difficult. So you've asked me for honesty. I think that's probably about as, as much honesty as I can give you is, is that example. And other people probably had similar challenges. So now, through your work and, th- and through this book, let's help us. Let's take that as an example of despair and hope, and, and how to move there. Uh, first of all, thank you for taking off all the interviewer hats and clothing and coming with that honesty to this conversation. It's the opposite of Burl Ives walking around in cat in a hot tin roof, where he says, "Mendacity, mendacity, I smell mendacity." I smell only honesty in that, and I, I don't think there's anything more challenging for us in this lifetime to come to, because uh, Aristotle said that uh, honesty is the portal to all wisdom. By all regards, Aristotle is a very bright guy. But my own take is that if honesty is the portal to all wisdom, humility is the portal to all honesty. So I take that. One of the areas where we fall victim to despair is when our ego is in despair, when we think we have lost face or others don't see us as important as we somehow think we need to appear to the rest of the planet. On this particular conversation, though, I was struck a while back by someone relating a story about a a young man who was thoroughly distraught and thoroughly without hope and on the way to leap from a bridge and didn't. And when they uh, pulled him in just in time and tried to take him to another place, they found a note on his bureau at home. And the note said, if somebody stops me and says hello on the way to the bridge, I will not leap. The reminder of this is to remind others that you're thinking about them, that they matter, and say hello to people, even those you don't know. Just remind them that we are, I, I, perhaps I said this last week when we spoke, we're all alone, but we're all alone together. When we recognize our own aloneness, we recognize empathetically our aloneness, our brother and sisterhood with all others. So I think that nothing is more despairing than to think uh, you have no, that you are so absent of meaning to anyone else. So the simple way of 
how do you cut through the despair in some people's life is really simply by saying hello to them, uh, letting them know that they matter. And not without irony, when other people, when you let other people know that they matter, it turns out you matter. They did a big study of kids, inner city kids who were at, at risk for penal lives or uh, they, and they put them into social situations where they had to help other people. And they found that suddenly these kids were transformed because they never thought that their life had any meaning. And suddenly they were doing something that may, had meaning in someone else's life. So conversely, their life had meaning. And so there's nothing more despairing than to think that, that no one else has hope for you in this lifetime. Remind other people that you hope the best for them and the best for you will be arriving. I think that is great counsel. First, I want to make sure our audience understands that mental illness is real. Depression, anxiety are real issues. If you or someone is suffering from clinical depression, uh, please seek professional help. If you or someone or someone is, is considering suicide, please dial 988, which is the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline number. We want to make sure we keep and help people be safe and find the hope that they need. Regarding hope, I love what you said. And there's been a common denominator with what you and Sean and I have been discussing during these podcasts. And that is that in reaching outside of ourselves to help another human being or even a cause, that we find ourselves lifted and we find purpose and we find hope. And that might be the balm that we're looking for in this chapter is look to help another person. And in that, you can find a way to move from despair to hope. And I, to tag on that is do not hesitate to share your vulnerability with others because they will look at you perhaps as someone who they cannot imagine to be riddled with despair or doubt. But if they understand that you too are subject to vulnerability and you put your faith, not your fears in charge, then they have a chance of doing it. It's not that anything, none of us get out of here without it raining hard on us sometime. What we're trying to do is stop it from raining under your umbrella. That's what we're trying to talk about. How do we come on the on the other side of that? So uh, for many years, chief executive officers would ask me, they would seek my counsel in a conversation for an extended period of time, and they wanted to know how they passed uh, strength to their children. I said, here's how you pass strength to your children. Have the courage to pass vulnerability, your vulnerability to your children, and they will recognize that the strongest person in their life is not absent of vulnerability. So when their life feels vulnerable, they can say, my dad was vulnerable, and look what he did. Take that in. Shared vulnerability is a shared strength. Yeah, and I love that. And I would add something my father taught me, and then Sean alluded to it in our discussion the other day. If you look at the cover of the book, you can see a silhouette of Sean uh, standing. This is actually, this image is taken from a silhouette of Sean Thompson, and the sun is rising. And there's, it's such a great symbol of hope, the sun. And my father would always tell me when I was going through very difficult times, he'd say, remember, the sun really will come out tomorrow. <laughs> it's, it's so, uh, it will, Annie. I'm also reminded that at the Continental Congress, uh, Benjamin Franklin looked at the back of the chair he was sitting on that had that silhouette. And he said, time will decide whether this sun is rising or setting on the United States of America. I say this to that. There is no sunset. There is no sunset. There is no sunset, my friends. 
that does not have the promise of a sunrise. Right. The, the sun is eternally rising somewhere. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, again, this has been wonderful. You know, we're not seeking to solve all problems, but just help people explore a way to improve their lives, help their families be happy. This chapter on hope and despair, I think, is wonderful. And we encourage you, our audience, to, to find a copy and read it. Noah, thanks again for your time. It's always wonderful to have you share what you know and what you've learned with us. Thank you, Christopher. I end as I end my, again, is to all of you who are listening or viewing, may you go from strength to strength and be a source of strength to others. Very good. As we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Finlay for their support in bringing the podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you subscribed to the podcast and left us a review. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you chose a book from Thunelius, perhaps The Surfer and the Sage. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. <laughs>